Chase Minifield, Dom Joseph, and Max Millian discuss life lessons they've learned as young entrepreneurs in the business world. Join them as they debate current events, business topics, and enjoy a few laughs with their weekly guests. And now for today's show. What up, what up? Here we are with another episode of the TTC Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Minifield. Lexington, Kentucky today. We have on the line Dom Joseph. What up, Dom Joe? What's up, world? How's everything? How's everybody doing out there? Everybody's good. You know, I always had a question why everybody asked everybody how they're doing. You know, you ain't gonna get no response. No call and response. It's just a statement. Just got to put it on there, huh? Sometimes it just flows, man. And we don't know where Max is at, man. It's three weeks, four weeks in a row. It's getting to the point where it's going to have to, you know, we're going to have to start cutting the strings, man. Max, he, uh, he's, starting to, he's starting to overcut his boundaries with, with what he brings to the podcast, man. You know what I'm saying? We live on a schedule. If Don Joe can make it on the podcast when the Eagles is playing, I'm sure whatever Max got going on, man, he can make it. You know what I'm saying, man? He on Instagram dressed up and uh, he, he on Instagram got his, got his nipples out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you showing nipples on Instagram? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're showing nipples on Instagram, that's but you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't get on the podcast. Man, that's crazy. You know, you, know what I'm saying? Saying, man, you know what this is, man. You know what this is, man. It's priorities, man. You know what I'm saying? There's two things going on here, man. Either podcasting is really low on his priority list, or he don't believe in the podcast. And either one of those is not okay. Either one, huh? Yeah, 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 man. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel the same way, man. So, so let everybody know right now. Episode 90, 98, 98 right now. This is about 98 or 99. We're looking for an open. We're looking for a new. We're looking for a new host. <laughs> we're looking for a new host, man. We're looking for a new spot, man. We keep on getting this performance out of uh, nice million. We're gonna be looking for a new host, man. So we'll be we'll be putting in some uh, host application. Coming up soon with this type, but we just looking for somebody that can that can that can show up to the game, man. Make it to the game, and we might have a chance. Right, that's the doubt, right? Hey, hey, what's that? What's that? What's that uh, quote you said um, earlier in the week off your IG, man? The key to getting ahead is getting started, man. Hey, there you go, Joe. Mm-hmm. The key to getting ahead is getting started, man. That's all you gotta do. So, <laughs> but if we can't get started, then we can't. We definitely can't get ahead. We're gonna be working from behind all day. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this thing, man. We got a a good guest, a solid guest on it. Might be the youngest guest we've had on here, to be honest with you. I don't think I can think of anybody yeah, else. Yeah, Michael. So we got Michael. Drink yeah. Hey, how's it going? What up, Michael, man? We got Michael Newton on the podcast, native of Nashville area, Nashville area. Um, That's right. I met, That's right. A, I met Michael at a conference in Charlotte in student housing, and he was giving a presentation on – Reaching Gen Z audience, reaching the Gen Z audience, and I guess then so he's twenty now. I guess you were nineteen then. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah. Yeah, he was nineteen then, so he was you know presenting to the group about um, how to reach the Gen Z audience. So it's very interesting, and I, and I think we're gonna get more into his company and stuff like that. But you know that's a very heavy topic nowadays. Is um, how can we reach Gen Z? So we're gonna get into a little bit of everything. But Michael, man, we appreciate you jumping on here. Man, thanks for having me. I'm excited. No doubt, bro. So, um, Mark, give us a little background about yourself. You know, um, where you from? Um, you know, uh, where you go to school at? All those different type of things like that. 
Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a small town in Kentucky called Moorhead. Um, that oh, you from military. Kentucky? That's right, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, no, I just knew you were from the K. You know what I'm saying? Those blocks, those blocks <laughs> off the ground right there. That's what's up, though. Yeah, yeah. man. No more small town. Small town, though. Um, yeah, like, parents were, uh, I guess, just, like, lower class working people, you know. Um, my dad was in the Army. My mom was just kind of a stay-at-home mom. Um, then, we, you know, we moved to Nashville uh, uh, 10, 10 years ago or so. Um Kind of got interested in business. Um, didn't really have anything going on. Um, so I was about like 14 or 15. And then I, I kind of got interested in business because, um, I really, I really, really, really like cars. And so I started trying to figure out what, you know, when I go to car shows, like what would the people who drive the, the nicest cars there, like what do they do? And then I kind of right. was like, you know, how, <laughs> how am I going to do that? So, uh, that was, what, you wasn't trying to. You wasn't trying to ride. The, you wasn't trying to ride Cameron. Huh? You just trying to. Oh trying to, no, man! <laughs> <laughs> trying to get the whip game up, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I started asking them like what they do, and that was how I kind of figured out like what the word entrepreneur meant. You know that whole path. So um, I started my first business when I was. Uh, I had just turned like fourteen or fifteen. Um, I started detailing cars. And, uh, I, I grew that business the whole time I was in high school, um, just detailing cars, you know, driving to people's houses, knocking on doors, seeing if I could wash the cars, um, had like four or five people, uh, during the summer out there working with me, knocking on doors and stuff. So that was kind of how I got into it. Um, and then, you know, after that, I sold that business and then ended up going to college at UT in Knoxville. And then, uh, Shortly thereafter is when I started the company that I have now. So that's kind of my brief brief background. That's that's pretty that's pretty dope actually. You know, usually when you know you got young entrepreneurs, you're thinking you know shoveling the snow or cutting the grass, selling the lemonade. You know what I'm saying? That was yeah, You detailing cars with the, with, with, the, uh, with the workforce. So that's that's pretty dope. Right yeah, there. yeah. And you actually yeah, sold it. it. How you how'd you go about selling it? Did you sell it to somebody locally or somebody was interested in it? Like somebody that was a so so basically the whole idea originally was um my 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 dad had got his truck detailed by this guy and it cost a ridiculous amount of money um for this guy to come out and wash his truck and I was like I could like I was watching him do it and I was like, Man, I could do that and I could charge way less. So you know, I don't have bills to pay. I'm living at home, I'm going to high school, I'm, you know, everything is paid for pretty much. Um, so you know, I don't have rent or nothing like that, so I was just kind of like, you know, I could do a, as good of a job or a better job that he's doing, and I could charge less. So the idea was to sort of find these guys who were charging these, you know, really exorbitant prices, um, which I guess in hindsight weren't that crazy, but, like, at the time I just knew I could charge less. So it was kind of a, a matter of, like, figuring out who their clients were and then slowly kind of, like, siphoning their clients off into, like, my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are a few local businesses that we like local detailers that we kind of made a dent into their business, um, just cause we were charging less. And so when it came time for me to go to, go to college and graduate, I was just like, well, I could probably just go back to one of these, these detailers and, and just offer it back to them. Um, right. And so I, I ended up, I had like a whole book of business, um, you know, with contacts and clients that had monthly subscriptions and stuff like that. And just sold that whole thing over to another company. 
That's smart. Um, you know, that's really interesting just because, you know, if you if you can offer a lesser, lesser price, you can offer less price and you could do a, a same service or similar service of, uh, of quality, then you got you to gotta market for sure. So that's that's one of the things yeah, we yeah. try to do when we first started uh, helping hands is just cutting prices, cutting prices. Slowly, slowly but surely, Dom Joe's raising his prices. You know, so he does it up in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. His prices get higher Perfect. and higher. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what you want to be doing, you know. So, no, that's what's up, man. So, what was you studying? What, when you went to UT, what did you go to study? Or University of Tennessee, for everybody. Well, it's not University of Texas, University of Tennessee. Yeah, I, you know, I, I started out um, just studying business, and uh, it, it, it honestly just was not. I don't know. I don't know if it's just the way I'm wired or if I just wasn't passionate about it, but um, it was just not my forte. So I quickly, uh, I sort of got there, started going to class, and then just absolutely hated it and just was in like a really dark spot. So I kind of looked at, you know, if I'm, if I'm able to start a company and get something going, get a venture up and off the ground, that, that would sort of be my... Uh, take it out of there, out of that situation, if that makes sense. So school was definitely not like my strong suit. Right, right. But well, you see you hear that over and over from entrepreneurs. I mean, once you get a taste of like something that you want to do, I don't really see um school as the best option to be honest with you, especially if you already had experience of building clientele, um, working with co- corporate clients to to sell your company. I mean, it's kind of hard right. to to go to class to try to figure out, especially class and try to learn how to do business again. You know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like something you already done did, honestly. So, I, I mean, I can understand that for sure. Um, do you yeah, actually feel, do you feel like school is necessary these days? You know, College I, degrees? It, it's, I mean, that's kind of a gray area. I think that, like, if someone came to me that, that was about to graduate and they're like, I have no idea what I want to do, should I go to school or not, I would advise them to go. Um, and, and like, the only reason I say that is because if I hadn't have gone, I wouldn't have the company I do now. Like I saw the opportunity while I was at school. I met a bunch of people while I was at school. I didn't stay there, but it was like, you know, when you're in high school, you're in this like small little bubble, you know, and you only have access to so many people. But when you go to like a completely new city, go to a completely new school, you know, that, that bubble increases exponentially. So you're opened up to a lot of opportunities. It's just a matter of like what you do with them. So if you're somebody who's like really opportunistic, and, you know, you can take advantage of opportunities that are in front of you and, and be able to, like, recognize them, then, yeah, absolutely. I think, it's, I think it's valuable to go, not for the degree, but just for the, you know, the, the networking and, like, the amount of people you have access to. So, but I don't know. I think it just depends on the person, honestly. Some people, yeah, sure. Others, probably not, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation that's coming up in that area. Um I think we actually talked about it maybe not this episode, uh, not like last episode, maybe two episodes ago. But we were saying about how education, I think, is going towards like um, not just like institutional education, but more like uh, influencer education. If that makes sense. So more people want to yeah. go to like Gary Vee than they want to go to like their UT professor or something like that, right? Like if Gary Vee offers yeah, an entrepreneur course, you, 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 most people nowadays want to go take the Gary Vee's entrepreneur course before they want to go to get an MBA. Like, I feel like that's the route that it's going down is, like, you can build your own personal brand or, like, somebody can build a personal brand. They can make a course, and they could basically have more value than your college courses. 
That's like, that's what you feel like is headed to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great point. I think it comes down to to like I think you know social media is like given us a lot of exposure to like a lot of really successful people that we would have never been able to see or know. And right. so I think people more are becoming more uh, aware of the fact that like their professors in school are not really qualified or like haven't actually achieved what they're teaching or used what they're teaching. And I think right. people are like, they're more, you know, they're more drawn to like people who have the, ta- the tangible evidence that they know what they're talking about. Like no, you're not going to go to a swim school, you know, you're not going to go to swim school to learn from somebody who don't know how to swim, you know? Yeah. That's how I used to feel in football. Like I, I was, my dad played in the NFL, played the same business I played. So if I was with a DB coach that didn't have no DB experience, I was really kind of, <laughs> I was really kind of uh, checked out. But um, right, yeah, it makes sense. So, so let's go ahead and get started, man. So you, um, so are you still in school, or did you decide to not go stop going to school? What's your, what's your situation right now, and how'd you get? What's your company? How'd you see the market? All those different types of things like that. Yeah, so I basically set a set a rule for myself that when I was earning more than my business professor, I would drop out. And so um, that was sort of like my my key rule. I, I felt like if I wasn't at that point, it wasn't a smart move. So right. That was just kind of like the rule I set. So um, that was, I think I dropped out last, last the beginning of last year. So quite a, quite a while ago now. That's a good little, that's a good milestone. You know what I'm saying? What's like one of the people that's, yeah. that's teaching me? I'm going to go ahead and just quit, quit, quit in class. <laughs> yeah, it just made sense, you know? Like, I, I'm not going to drop out if I make like 10 grand and, and then, you know, act like I know what I'm doing because right. I don't, you know? No, that's what's up. So, so, so tell people, what are, what are you, um, what's your company? How did you start it? And what was the market that you've seen? Uh, give us some details on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the company I own now is called Swarm. And basically what Swarm is, is it's probably the most effective way to get a message in front of college students. Um, and so we serve uh, mainly student housing, so like off-campus apartments, um, and help them reach students, you know, with their advertising dollars in, in a much more effective way than they are currently doing. So um, kind of the story, like the quick brief rundown of how that came about was, um, like I said, I was at, at UT in Knoxville. I was in school, absolutely hating it. And I was just looking for anything to do that was not class. So, um, I went to the library and I was just kind of sitting there with a whiteboard and like figure and like just sort of like writing down things that frustrated me. And, um, one of the, like one, the very first thing that came to mind was I really hate how much I get solicited on campus. So, like, I can't walk from my dorm room to my class without being stopped, like, four or five times with someone trying to hand me a flyer or hand me, like, a goodie bag or, or try and get me to fill out, like, a guest card at their table to enter to win a car or whatever it was. Like, I'm a pretty introverted person, and so I don't really like those interactions at all. And it was just, like, I was being bombarded with those sort of, like, like advertising material type solicitation. And I was like, man, that's a big problem. And so I just kind of wrote it down. And then I, I sat on that for like a week. And I was kind of thinking about like, so who is it a problem for? And like, is it just a problem for me because I'm an introvert and I don't like that? Or like, who is, who is really, you know, being affected by this problem? 
And I started talking to these people that were out there handing out flyers and like learning more about what they're doing and, um, and like why they're doing that. And what I learned was that, you know, um, the student housing industry and like a lot of these off-campus apartments are spending a ridiculous amount of money on these kind of marketing efforts that are really not effective at all. And, you know, students don't really want to participate in them because they're so obnoxious and like aggressive. So, um, so I set out to basically create a better way to do that. Uh, not, you know, not a better way to hand out flyers, but a better way to get, you know, a brand and a message in front of students at that school without them feeling like they're being intruded upon. So, um, it probably took 15 or 20 ideas and iterations to finally get to, um, figuring out like how to use influencers to execute that, which is what we do now. Um, so like we tried, like one of the early ideas was we, we hired a bunch of the art students at our school to go do like these like advertisements, like murals, like with like chalk on the sidewalk. So they would create like these big art pieces on the sidewalks that would have, you know, our, our clients brands in it. Um, the school shut that down so fast, you know, uh, there was another idea where we had, we were basically just like, um, printing out these like promotional stickers and then just like plastering them all over the school. And, you know, the school shut that down too. And then it was just like thing after thing after thing. And then we realized, um, you know, where are these students spending their time and attention already? And then how do we get there? So, um, the vast majority of a, a average college student's time is spent on social media. And what are they doing on social media? They're, they're checking out what their friends are posting because that's pretty much everybody they follow. So how do we get there, right? So then we figured out a way to basically get a, a group of really, really popular college students to join our company and then basically post these promotions that don't really look like ads but just look like normal posts, um, you know, to subsequently reach like the, the vast majority of the students at that school. And so that's the idea that we, we figured out worked. We tested it. Um, we got a big account with American Eagle right off the bat. Like that was our very first client. And that was sort of like the validation and proof that, you know, we had something that was working. Um, and I guess the rest is, is history, as they say, because um, we've been running with that since then. And it's been about a year and eight months or so. That's what's up, man. Um, obviously, seeing the problem, doing market research, market testing, to ultimately get to where you are at now. What's been some of the the harder situations that you've had to do, uh, or what, have, what kind of like have you ever had? What's the bumps in the roads on, on the way to where you are at now? Um, how, has it been pretty smooth as far as acquiring clients? I mean, everybody wants to figure out. The good thing about your business is the fact that like you can make people money. You know what I'm saying? Like they use you, right, you, can, right. you can make people money. So what what's some of the the, uh, the harder things or the things that you the speed bumps that you've had to run over and, and or come to and figure out and come up with strategic ways of you know keeping the company moving forward? Man, I I mean I think the the biggest one was probably getting that that first client. Um, I think you know I think pretty much any business that has a like a relatively new idea or concept um, is going to have a lot of trouble like conveying that message and conveying what they do to the market. So that was definitely the hardest thing for us. Um, so after we had the idea of, of what the service was going to be and we were like, all right, so how do we, 
how do we like who's going to use this? We I had no idea. Like I, I knew like maybe apartments, because um, that's kind of where we started. But it wasn't super evident then because I hadn't nobody was paying me money to do any of this stuff. So I didn't really have any like anything to go off of. So um, it took about a month of just. So basically, like what I did was. I went to like the, the Knoxville uh, Chamber of Commerce website and they have a list of all their registered businesses. And it's like a list of like 60,000 businesses, right? So I took the first like 15,000 and I emailed every single one of them. And I just said like, hey, um, I'm a student at UT. This is a, a business idea I'm working on. Would you be interested in something like this? And then I sent that message to... Like, for a whole month, all I did, like, every day was I just emailed all these businesses. I mean, I'm talking, like, clothing stores, like, plumbers, like, flower shops, like, literally anything. I was just trying to see what would stick. And so I sent, I think I sent, like, ten to 12,000 emails over the, over the course of that month. Um, and what we got back was basically what our business is right now. So we got back... Uh, um, apartments like off-campus apartments uh we got back interest from american eagle and we got back interest from a couple restaurants and um after that it was sort of like talking to each one and figuring out what their budgets were so we could sort of figure out where we could have a business right um and so we figured out there were like big national brands like american eagle that we could work with um that were interested in the idea and then there were a lot of apartments that were interested in the idea too so um, after that, it was a matter of, of just sort of picking and choosing who we should try and work with so that other people in their respective industries would like take notice. So, um, in student housing, one of our first clients that we went after, um, and we offered them like discounted pricing and we sent them a bunch of like handwritten cards and, and did a lot to build a relationship with them. So they would work with us. Um, you know, the reason we went after like one specific company was because they were sort of like the thought leader and like the industry leader in that industry. So we knew that if we could get them, then all the others in that industry would start to pay attention too. And it'd be a lot easier to sort of like knock the dominoes down. So, um, that like getting it off the ground initially and like getting interest from those really early clients was definitely the hardest part. And like literally the only solution there was to just bang out emails for like 30 to 35 days straight. So I, that was probably like the biggest struggle, the biggest challenge. Did you uh, ever have any like, I guess, pushback from the nose or was you like, you know, that this going, you're going to get no's and, you know, like, that's how I tell people like great days are like, you know, 10 no's, one yeses. Um, so did you ever have any, like, was it a shock with all the no's or did you know you were going to run into to no's before you ran into yeses? And your initial process. So, like I said, like we had probably 15 iterations of different ideas before we landed on the service that we have, like the idea for the service we have now. So that that whole process took about a year and a half, and so that was like a year and a half of just no's. Right? <laughs> like it was like we would, we would come up with an idea, we would build it, we would put everything together, we would go try and sell it to people, and everything we got back was a no. Because if it, if we got any yeses back, we'd be doing that right now and not what we're doing now. So, um, so, so yeah, we have like, like a year and a half of, of just no's. Hey, that, 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 uh, that'll toughen your skin right there. 
to know that yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, comes through. It'll, it'll, it'll be great. Um, so no, that's that's awesome, man. So um, I guess so. Is this is you said you're uh, introverted? So is it what do you feel like your skill is? What 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 is your skill as an entrepreneur? What makes what makes you the valuable to the Swarm team? Is it like strategic, or I can I'm, I'm sitting here, I can knock out twelve thousand emails? Like what is what do you think your value is as an entrepreneur? And what's your greatest skill set? I think um, I think the main thing is that I can I can see something in my head and then I can actually bring it into the world, um, and I think that's the biggest thing. So, like I can see how all of the parts of the business play together, and I can see how it looks to other people. Um, sort of like put myself in other people's shoes and be able to like see what the perception is going to be, and I can just sort of point the boat in the right direction and and orient you know, the different members of the team in the right direction to get the thing going where I want it to go. Um, and other than that, I think, like, I think that's like my main skill set. And then outside of that, I'm just, I, I'm just pretty relentless. Um, when, when I have something I want to do, I just figure out what needs to happen to do it. And then I just go do those things. And um, I think those two things have, have attributed a lot to like the forward motion of the company so far. That's what's up, man. I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity, great idea. So what do you guys think that – what's next? What's next for Swarm? I mean, obviously you guys are, are there right now. What what? How do you keep the momentum going? Um, how do you continue growing forward and uh, making sure that there's no plateau? Yeah, so, so right now um, we're actually in a, a pretty aggressive growth stage. So we're the, – like the sole focus right now is to grow into the student housing industry and become one of the leading marketing companies in that industry. Um, we'd like to be top three because um, there's a couple <laughs> uh, behemoths in the industry that I don't I don't see us um, overcoming in the next like, two to three years. But um, we'd like to be top three uh, marketing agencies in the whole industry. And then from there, um, we're going to look to add on services uh, in like other verticals for for revenue. Um, you know, we we worked with a lot of like big corporate clients that are outside of that industry, and that was sort of like the original idea for how we'd grow as we'd expand into other industries. But I don't think so. I think that we'll stick to um, student housing and just continue to like create a better service uh, and and deliver more and more value as time goes on, and then just focus on you know building that client base. That's good, man. Um, Tom. Max, Max, are you on here? Max, are you on here now? I'm here, bro. What's good? Hey, Max, man. We need an explanation. Look. First of all, Max, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I guess Michael, he's been on the podcast. You really interrupted him when he jumped on at 920. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> Look. I jumped on as quiet as I can. I can't help the beat, bro. Ain't nothing I can do about that. <laughs> the beat jumped on. Like, what's going on right here, man? So, uh, Max, what's your explanation this week for being late to the podcast? Look, man, I, I don't have no good excuse. I was working. I actually got one of my biggest biggest jobs tomorrow, um, and I got a pretty huge pitch tomorrow, too, both morning. And I was just preparing, man. I went over there, just double-checking, making sure the truck was ready to go. all hooked up with my guys. And then I was also just preparing for my presentation and lost track of time. Man. So, you look like you got your nipples out. On Instagram, 
You know what I'm saying? But we, all this work. <laughs> but I was yesterday. I was partying yesterday. All this work. I was like, you play, look like you're playing drums up out here. Promise you it won't happen again, all right? That's a month in a row now. That's, that's four episodes in a row. That's four episodes in a row. <laughs> Look, man, it ain't going to happen again, all right? You know, it's been, it's been busy months. I'm used to prepare for Monday. you got to start the, the Monday off strong, but 9-10, blocked out. I got you. Ain't going to be no problem, man. I already set my alarm at 855 every Sunday. Hey, we appreciate that. Um... Are we done, man? Can we get that? We have we're having a good podcast, man. Might, you know oh, what I'm so, saying? Can we? Can he we might have talked about what talking about, man. But Don, what you got? What kind of questions you got for Michael and what he's working on? First of all, um, you know, what he's doing is dope. So you know, and we're all in the student housing industry. I, I could, so I'm sure we got some questions about. It. I got a question. Um, you need me to go first, Dom? You ready to go? What? I said you need me to go what first. You? Are you ready to go? Um, well, first, I just want to say, I just want to say, um, man, I think you're a great example of how, like, I think people underestimate the time you need to invest into building your business, man. You know, between right, right. sending out all those emails and all that, man, like, you're not going to get your return on your investment right away. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people underestimate that. You know what I'm saying? So you sending out straight, you're getting a month straight notes. Most people will quit after two days of straight nose. Yeah, man. Okay, so that's definitely a testament to uh, a word you used earlier, man, your relentlessness. Relentlessness. So, well, go ahead, Max. Michael, nice to meet you, man. Sorry I'm late. Uh, I did catch a good good amount of the tail end of your, your speech. Um, Just ask the question, bro. All right, man. <laughs> Um, I don't know how familiar you are with this, but um, I had heard something like, I guess it's been the news that Instagram's kind of experimenting with taking off likes and stuff like that because, well, they say it's for the mental health of kids, but everyone feels it's because they're not getting paid off that stuff. Is that something mm-hmm. that you have heard about or are worried about or do you, you know, are you kind of planning for what a next step would be? Because that would, I would think, greatly affect your business. Yeah, um, I mean, changes, well, the thing is, is changes like this happen all the time. Like, social media is an ever-evolving thing, um, especially, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. They're always adding and taking away features, like, every other month. So, um, if that did happen, there would be some workaround somehow, um, because there always is. And, you know, I think that, I think the way people use the platform would change, um, but... 
even if that, like, if they do that and they roll that out across the whole platform, which I'm not really sure that they will, but let's say that they do, you know, their entire user base is going to change the way they use the platform in some way. I don't know what those changes are going to be, but um, given that it would basically create a new landscape for Instagram, and that new landscape would open up a lot of new opportunities for us to expand into. So I'm not worried about it. Um, I think it would it might change the way we do things, but I don't think it would. You know, like influencer marketing and like social influence on on Instagram and similar platforms is not going away uh, for quite some time. Um, like, you're never gonna not go on Instagram and see a friend post about something that they're eating, and you're like, man, I want one of those. Like, that's never gonna go away. So, right, it's just a matter of like figuring out what those new opportunities will be after you know everything changes. Do you do you feel like? Gotcha. Uh, do you feel like there's any concern with um, relying heavily on uh, other platforms? Like, do you feel like if, like, let's say uh, Instagram is down for a week or, um, you know, more people are using TikTok or something like that, and you got to, like, find TikTok influencers or YouTube influencers, do you ever feel like uh, a responsibility to your client to make sure that you're getting the eyeballs that they're expecting you to get and you kind of got to follow the trend. Is that is that is that a concern ever? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, things are changing all the time, and and uh, you know, we may do a, we may be doing something on Instagram, and it's it's like thirty percent as effective as it normally is, just because Instagram changed where their algorithm works. And you know, so we got to like figure out a way to, you know, to beat their new algorithm um, with the way we're doing stuff. So yeah, I mean, like, there's always an obligation on our end to stay on top of like where the students are because at the end of the day like our like our job is to reach students where they want to be reached um through the people that they want to be reached by so we just got to figure out where that is and who those people are and that's all we got to do so yeah to answer your question for sure so how do you um how do you uh like do you feel like there's do you get paid up front or is it by impressions or how do you validate your service to your clients? Yeah, so so basically, um, we charge a flat fee for our service. And, that, you know, that, that would include, like, a certain amount of influencers posting, a certain amount of ads. Um, and then we can offer – we basically can sell them, like, on a, a certain amount of impressions that we can guarantee. Um, but really, like, sort of how we validate the service and, like, how we, you know, prove the value to the client in, in like, in a sales conversation – it's really more about showing them what they're doing already and then showing them what we do and then why it's so much more effective. And why, like, why what we do is so much more effective than everything else in the industry pretty much right now is because we, like, it, it was basically created by students with an understanding of how students want to be reached, who they want to be reached by, and how they make buying decisions. And that's, like, our service is built around all of those ideas from the perspective of a student. Um, and so it's just a matter of showing them, like, students are not going to, you know, look at a flyer and then decide to spend $8,000 a year um, at your apartment. But if they hear, you know, six of their friends, six of their closest friends that they go to school with, uh, consistently talking about how cool this place is, how awesome their parties are, you know, how great their hot tub is, you know, all these cool events that they throw, you know, oh, and they have like a, a private music festival like at their apartment. Like the, the combined like combined effect of having students consistently share like a brand with their friends 
is massive. And so we basically just walk them through that um, and show them, you know, like it, it's just common sense at the end of the day, why what we do works and why, you know, the other stuff may be a bit dated and may not, may not click. Understandable. Um, Don Max, you got anything else before I want to get into a couple of different things with uh, Michael real quick? I got that. Man, this, this, my, my fault, man. This Eagles game, man. This Eagles game, man. This Eagles game got me all messed up. <laughs> yeah, man. Ball, my pivot, man. Every time I see something on here, Ezekiel Elliott running through. Man, what's going on out there? <laughs> I told you, man. We need Nigel Bradham, man. You know what I'm saying? They, they stomping the mud hole in us right now. The problem for, for running backs is... Hey, wow, that was back of Florida State. And that boy was my man. Hey, Max, you know about him, huh? Hey, tell my man, tell my man, thirty-two. Tell my man, thirty-two. He got to contact that plug, man. He can't drive that slut, that slut in front of my man like that. <laughs> you know, you yeah, got to hit him with something hot on that slug, right? You can't, you can't, you got to contact that plug, man. You can't just be in front of my man. Well, now you ain't seen it on tape, but um. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't seen that on tape. <laughs> hey, folks, man. But um, we'll get into this Gen Z conversation. So first time I met Michael, like I said in the beginning, was he was talking about reaching the Gen Z audience. I think that's a very big topic right now because Gen Z is the next level of spenders. Uh, the sure. next, next level of spenders. So um, what, what, what have you learned in the marketing space of reaching Gen Z? I guess you are Gen Z. What, what is Gen Z looking for, and how does, how does businesses reach Gen Z better? I uh, know, obviously, you, you're probably going to say the influencer space, but is there any other characteristics that people should look into when trying to build a brand towards Gen Z or trying to just reach that audience in general? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's a couple things that, that most people just, like, do not understand unless they have some Gen Z people on their team. Um, the first thing is probably authenticity and uh self-awareness. So I think like, you know, you know, those brands on Twitter that, um, they'll post something that's like actually really, really funny. And you actually want to share it because it's actually funny. Um, like all of those brands have figured out how to be like self-aware and authentic, you know, in whatever platform it is. So, um, like I know, uh, what is it? Pop tarts. They, you know, they had a campaign where they were like, uh, they were tweeting to like, they were like responding to people who had bought these pop tarts that had like, it's got the picture of the pop tart on the front of the thing. And then when they, when they pull the pop tart out of the, out of the package, it looks completely different and just looks terrible. You know, they had a thing where they were just like kind of poking fun at that and just being self-aware that like their product is not actually what they're advertising it to be. But that self-awareness and that authenticity has created, like, a massive reaction from people. So I think if brands can just figure out a way to, to be authentic and, and consistently self-aware of, like, how, how people are actually seeing them and they're not trying to, like, you know, have this, like, persona that, you know, we're this, this company and this is the product we offer and it's so great because of this, 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 and this, like, you can say all those things you want, but unless other people agree with it, you know, it's not true. So you got to figure out what do the people agree with? What do these like Gen Z, like, like kids agree with? 
about our product and then let's talk about that. I think that's like, those are probably the two main things that if brands could figure out how to do that effectively and how to utilize self-awareness and authenticity, I think that they would be exponentially better off in reaching Gen Z. I think it's actually something that I'm trying to build more on as far as like reaching. I think businesses in general struggle with social media. To be honest with you, and for almost, sure, yeah. And I was trying to tell yeah. somebody recently, I was like, "You can build a social media or marketing social media agency, whatever, that can help businesses, big businesses, and you have opportunity." And I feel like a lot of people I know, actually, a lot of people in LA, they're actually doing that. They're just, you know, trying to create successful marketing campaigns on social media for businesses, get paid tens of thousand dollars for, you know, creating that campaign. I mean, it's a, it's a very big gap between, okay, traditionally we do radio ads, um, TV spots, uh, whatever you want to call it. But now, we're, but our social media page has 200 followers. We got, you know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't be, uh, you can't, you can't be, uh, Ralph's, Kroger's or something like that, Whole Foods and got, you know, this big national brand, but on social media, your social media presence is like 200. You know what I'm saying? Like as a right, page, right. that's a difference right there. So I think it's a very interesting topic, to be honest with you. Max, how, Max, how are you going about reaching? So Max does a little bit of things, but he's reaching he's, he's reaching consumers. He's not always selling the businesses. How are you reaching consumers, Max? Man, I've done a lot of, honestly, kind of snail mail, um, flyers, word of mouth. And I, I was thinking about doing some Instagram and, and uh, social media ads. Remember, I talked to you about it, Chase, too, with your talks were. I haven't quite jumped on board yet, but um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of different because, you know, some, half of my customers are just people who are too old to kind of carry stuff themselves. And then my other half is kind of, you know, the kind of frugal young customers who just, you know, want stuff out of their house and, you know, don't have a truck or don't have a car, stuff like that. So uh, definitely the snail milk work with the older crowds, but. I've not hit the social media yet, um, but that's that's probably gonna be my next move. I just haven't found a way that I can quantify it. Maybe if I put like a little section, how'd you hear about us? I guess would be the best way to figure that out. Dom Joe, Mark Over Engineering has been here for thirty some years, right? Do you guys have yeah, a social media presence at all? We have a very it's it's pretty it's we we pretty much don't. We do have a Twitter account. Um, and <clears throat> I mean, it's my fault. I don't keep up with it, man. Um, just because I know it's important, but I feel like I can't do everything and, and maintaining the business on my end is, uh, more important. So it's just like a priority thing right now, but I always do. I, I know we need to get more into the, um, more into social media. I think that would be a, uh, a competitive edge because not too many people, even the big firms, like you said, you got like big architecture firms that have like 200 followers. So, yeah. And the thing is, the fact of like right now, it might not be affecting like our, our sales process because it's business and we know how to, we can do the traditional email marketing, email sales or whatever. But eventually once Gen Z is in buyer positions for corporate, then it's going to be an issue. You know what I'm saying? The people that grew up on social media and are on Facebook, Instagram, 
TikTok, whatever you want to call it. And these people are in right now. The people that are making business decisions are our clients who are paying us, signing our checks right now. Are baby boomers? I'm assuming like the people at the top are the baby boomers. And then next thing you know, you're gonna have millennials that are paying people. But then when G and G is at the top of the companies, they're probably gonna be build, they're gonna be like building off brands that they've seen. And and most of those brands gonna be social media presence brands that they've grown up with. To be honest with you. So um, that's one of my goals right now is to build up Helping Hand and Easy Turn social media present. Um, and not not saying that I'm going to like have a lot of like followers and things like that and I'm going to grow tremendously, but staying consistent, not having your last post in 2018. You know what I'm saying? Like staying consistent with putting things out there on the platform, mm-hmm. retweeting it, resharing it, reposting it on my page, which is a little bit more relevant, relevant and prevalent. But um just staying consistent on those pages um, and maybe gaining a follower here or there, right? So, I mean, you can't, we can't get ahead until we get started. That's what started this conversation off with. We can't get ahead until we get started. So, at least at least put something out there. Like, give me one post a week. So, I think that's, I think that's important yeah. for Mark Ulrich Engineering, which is probably the best testament out of this situation. I know my dad's company, Minnesota Enterprise, they ain't even got like an Instagram, Twitter, None of that stuff. Like they like a uh, real old school. Like they work for Toyota. They got contracts with Toyota. Do a lot of money. You know, do eight figures, eight figures a year, but have no social media presence. But when it's time to like, once those people get in positions where they're making decisions, they got, we got to build that up better. So it's not just y'all. It's there is a lot of older companies that are doing good that haven't really needed to make any changes yet. But I think starting that change is important for sure. So, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I am, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on that for real, I'm, just like you said. But listen though, I, I want to circle back to the conversation about reaching Generation Z, right? And what Mike said, um, two things that stuck out to me. You said you said like treat them as like individuals or something, and then you said like tell the truth, bro. Don't you got to do that on every? Isn't that what you got to do when you reach anybody and you're being a good business person though? You know what I'm saying? But. That's true, man. But you know, it's like it's it's common sense, but it's not common knowledge, so, or it's not common practice either. Nah, yeah, you're right. You gotta, you gotta say it. I feel you. You think there's any other more like? You think there's any other uh, coaching points to like reaching Generation Z? I think. You know what I'm saying? I think. Yeah, I, I mean. So, so first of all, authenticity and self-awareness. I think those are like number one and number two. You've got to have both of those things in your messaging and your branding and your posts, all this stuff. Um, so the third thing will probably be, you know, you need to have a compelling brand story. Like the, the, the landscape of social media right now for brands is if you don't have a story, you're completely irrelevant. So you want to have a compelling brand story that people can get behind, people can follow, people actually want to follow. Um, you know, and then after that, it's probably like what Chase was talking about. You got to build up, like actually, like intentionally build up your presence on social media because um, one of the really interesting things about Gen Z right now is, you know, um, millennials and baby boomers, like when they want, like if they hear about somebody, they're going to go Google it. Like they're going to go on a, a search engine and they're going to look it up. Like Gen Z, if they hear about somebody, they're going to go to Instagram or Facebook and they're going to type it in. And that, and they're going to read like what they're posting, what people are saying about them. You know, they're going to see if, um, like how many likes they have on Facebook. They're going to see what people are like reviewing them on Facebook. And that's usually how they make decisions. Like not that 
search is going away, but like social is definitely becoming a lot more important with Gen Z and, you know, and actually like creating that initial interaction. So, um, I think that like, so if you have, if you have an authentic and genuine message, you're, you're consistently self-aware. You're not trying to tell people, um, about you in a, like something that's not true. Uh, you have a compelling story that people are interested in and want to follow. Um, typically that has to do more about like the people, uh, like how the company was started and what the mission is and what they're trying to do, you know, how their products are sourced, how their products are produced, what's interesting about that. Um, and then last thing will probably be just to like intentionally build that presence so that, you know, when people look for you, you're able to be found. I would say that those are probably the main points that I would recommend anybody follow um, when you're trying to reach Gen Z. I like that right there. I can work with that. I like that. Let's go ahead and get into the business topic of the day real quick. We're going to get a quick little roundtable discussion on dreams, following your dreams uh, and what that looks like. So, you know, um, I don't know if, I mean, Michael, he said his passions were more like um, with cars and things of that nature. So being right here with marketing might not be his final situation, but I like to tell people, like, you got to be, you got to get started in something. To, you got to do something maybe that you don't want to do to start doing things that you want to do. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I wanted to talk about dreaming, visions, and chasing your dreams. And there's this quote by Richard Branson. He says, you will live a much better life if you pursue your passions. People who work on the things that they love usually enjoy life more than everyone else does simply because they are chasing their dreams. Um, and what I get from that situation is the fact of that you know, I'm like, football is really my passion. It's really what I love to do. But when I look more deep into it, what I like to do is compete. I like competition. I like challenges. I like, um, you know, going, climbing up the hill. I like to climb up the hill back. Like, I feel like if I build my company up to, like, I don't know, a billion-dollar company and I'm just sitting at the top and I don't really got to do nothing, I don't know if I'll really be good with that. Like, I don't really know if that's some place that I want to be at. I, I like the uphill. I like the uphill every day, like, figuring out a way to get better. That's what I like. Like, with the NFL, like, I like the everyday situation of getting better, trying to reach my dream more than it was than being in the actual dream, to be honest with you. Like, Sunday night football, Monday night football, you thought you would think that as a kid, like, once you get there, I remember sitting there and I'm like, dude, this is Sunday night football. Or this is Monday night football. Like, I'm literally about to play a Monday night football. And I'm like, this is what I worked for. This is what I dreamed of since I was – Six. I've been watching Monday Night Football since I was like five, four, three, right? And you reach this goal and you're like, well, I put in a lot of work, put in a lot of time, and now we're here. But now what are we searching for now? Like what, what's next for me? And obviously you look at like Pro Bowl, Hall of Fame, those type of situations, but I feel like that's not the same grind as the grind of getting up to that point. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what I found in business as well is trying to – and that's why I'm, I think I'm – I wouldn't say like – being in student housing industry or being a tech company or talking entrepreneur is like my passion. I feel like football will always be my passion. That will always be what I love to do. But ultimately, um, ultimately I am trying to be great in, you know, pursuing a situation or pursuing a challenge or pursuing a dream. So I wanted to put, open that up to you guys and see what you guys think about, um, you know, dreams, passion, following them, and figuring out what they are. We'll start it off with Max, and then we'll hit Dom, then we'll let uh, Michael finish it up, and then we'll hit the gas. 
Dreams, passion. Um, I think the first thing that's important is to know what's really, you know, your dream and to make money and what's going to be a hobby. You know, not everyone's dream can make money and that's fine, but you, if you want to end up being able to do your hobby, you know, you got to have a way to be financially free, um, in my opinion. You know, my passion or dream wasn't always to be in construction. Um, it just kind of happened that way and um, it's been, my passion's always been just, you know, work for myself and because I'm financially free and I just figured out a way that I thought I was good at it and, and started doing it. But, you know, the, the end goal is to do something and, you know, testing cars for fun or, or something of that, that nature. Anyone knows, you know, I love old school muscle cars and stuff like that. So that's my end goal. And, it's, you know, later on, I might have to make money from a great, but if not, you know, it's more of a hobby. Um, my dream is to be able to do that hobby for fun so you know once you find your your dream or whatever's going to keep you going just figure out you know what is the way to to make it financially feasible and then you know it takes time it takes a lot of work and then you can truly do what you what you want to do when when you're financially free that's really the key at least in my eyes i go Dom, you on mute, bro? Hey, man, I was on mute, and my and my phone froze, man. I'm pressing the key, my phone locked, and I'm pressing the key, and I'm pressing the key. Oh, man. But, um, now, I think uh, my, my big, I'm a, a big believer in exhausting your so for me my my passion was it still is football like if y'all can't tell man you know what I'm saying um I love football I love the game I just love the game you know what I'm saying and and everything that comes with it helping kids competing just everything the pageantry everything that goes on around the game that's my biggest thing and if I would say sports if your passion is in sports you have to exhaust your potential um to, to its fullest before you can move on, or else you'll always feel like empty inside, right? Um, but you also have to know that following your dreams when it comes to sports won't last forever. I don't care who you are, Michael Phelps, Ray Lewis, everybody, they all work now in some way, form, or fashion, and they're the best at what they did in sports. So <clears throat> you have to figure out what is what your real passion is, and I mean, I, I, I can't really tell you how to do that, like read books, look in the mirror, say some prayers. You know what I'm saying? But my, once I figured out my passion, my passion is helping people, man. So, like, I like – I what gets me up and going anymore, especially with helping hands, is putting people on that I know. You know what I'm saying? That I know need help and putting food on their table for them. Um, my passion is taking – like, my goal is for, for uh, my family's businesses, take it to the next level. And um, I'm kind of like Chase, too, where I like to compete, but I like to compete, but I also like to do things people didn't think I could do, which is why I have fun in the engineering firm, because nobody ever thinks I'm, I'll be remotely close to anything like an engineer. You know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, just the sky's the limit with that. But, um, yeah, I got caught wrangling, man. But, uh, 
That's my that's my spiel. Appreciate those rambling. What's up, Mike? Man, that's great. Um, you know, I I think that the majority of people think that they're pat that you know that like there's always that thing you got to do what you're passionate about, follow your passion, you know, live your passion. Like that needs to be your career. But I think a lot of people misunderstand that saying and. And they're they're always looking for like a career or like a job or like a position or or industry that they're passionate about. But I think that the thing a lot of people don't understand is that that passion is is an emotion. And like what you're passionate about is you're like nobody's passionate about cars. They're passionate about the feeling that they get when they do certain things with cars. You know, because like I can tell you firsthand, like I'm passionate about cars, but. I'm not passionate about washing them. I did that for a a year and a half and I was not passionate about that, but I was in the quote unquote car industry. So I think people should understand that like when, when you're searching for your passion, you're not searching for a specific job or specific opportunity or venture. You're searching for the emotion that makes you feel most alive. And then once you figure out what that is, like you were just saying, like, you know, you're passionate about helping people. You're passionate about, you know, having friends and like putting them on because you know them and like you're helping them. Like, you know, you're helping somebody, you know, like that's a feeling you get. And so like you're able to execute that in your business and get that feeling from like certain things you're doing in your business, you know, and then that makes you passionate about your work because you're able to get that emotion from it. So I think people should start with figuring out like, what are those emotions? Like, what are those situations that make them feel alive and make them feel like they're, they're they have meaning. Um, and then from there, figure out, you know, what have I done in the past that gave me those feelings and emotions that I, that make me so passionate and then search for a vehicle where they can do those things every day. Um, you know, so like Chase, like you're talking about, you're passionate about improving, like always like being on the grind and like taking the stairs and like, you know, doing the work and getting better. Like, so you're probably passionate about, I'm sure you work out a lot. You're passionate about fitness. You're passionate about athletics. You're passionate about business because in all those areas, you get to experience that emotion, uh, you know? And so like there's guys like Elon Musk too, like he's not passionate about electric cars or like rocket ships, but he's passionate about changing the world and the feelings that that gives him. So he's able to, to like do all these crazy things because that's what drives him. So, um, and like, the lesson being, like, I think that people should focus on the emotion, like, what makes you feel most alive, and then start searching for a vehicle, like, a business, a job, whatever it is, that would allow you to be in a situation every day or most days um, to where you could experience that emotion. I think that that's a great place to start when you're looking for, to figure out, like, what you want to do that you're passionate about. That's real. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good little finish over that conversation. So, Michael, man, we appreciate you jumping on this podcast, um, CTC podcast. Everybody follow the Instagram page at CTC podcast. Um, you know, obviously, listen to us and subscribe to us on every platform, uh, Stitcher, any podcast platform. But uh, we appreciate it if you guys could, you know, leave comments, rate us, as we continue to just try to grow this thing. We're almost at 100 episodes. We're excited. Uh, trying to find a, a solid third host so guys keep you know what I'm saying like I said we might have some applications opening up soon Michael let us know where they can let everybody I know can where they can find that. 
Let everybody know where they can find you at, what your website uh, for your company is, and everything like that, Instagram pages, all that. Yeah, so you can find, um, you can look up our company at getswarm.co. That's our website. And then you can hit me up personally on Instagram. It's the best place to reach me, at uh, db9mike. So like uh, Ashley Martin, db9, and then Mike. Yeah, we got you. Awesome. Like I said, I appreciate you jumping on here. I'm about to get into this gas of the week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before I get into this gas of the week, I want to just point something out, man. I, I posted a, I posted something on my Twitter page today, and, you know, you know, we talked about being authentic. Well, it was some real authentic Chase Minifield posts on my Twitter page. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, uh, it was, you know, most people see me on my Twitter page. I'm just usually supporting UVA. You know, UVA, let's go, good win, three and one. But when that dog come out on that Twitter page, then, you know, everybody trying to, say, you know, what I'm saying they try to, they try to back off a little bit. So I put a tweet, I put a tweet out there into the world this past week before the Duke game. First of all, I got a brand. Uh, I've been branded as the Duke, the UVA Duke hater. You know what I'm saying? I got into a little bit of an issue with with the Duke coach back in the day. Uh, so you know, so just so they always know that 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 that, that that's that's never gonna change. You know what I'm saying? As long as uh, as long as Cutler's still the head coach, we're gonna have beef over there on this street. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I posted on the thing. I said, "Hold somebody down in Charlottesville, pills a sticker off the Duke a Duke's helmet this this this, uh, this game." So, you know, like, a little bit more violent. I told my mom about it. She was like, yeah, that's a violent post. I'm like, what else is honest? That's just the truth. That's facts. So, um, you know, it's authentic. Like, that's how I feel. Like, if I was out there, I'll be, I would be, if I was out there, I'd be trying to peel your face off. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes that don't come across. It's more of on, on the outside of football. People see it as just like, okay, targeting. Let's not get penalties. Let's win the game. But the way I was raised to play the game, was a very violent sport, a very violent game, and we was coming to bend your face mask. We want your face mask to touch your nose. You know what I'm saying? That might not, and that might be the wrong way to do it nowadays. I don't know. I probably can't play in today's day and age, to be honest with you. And it's sad because literally I played played less than five years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, so in this short period of time, the game has changed from bending people's face mask in to uh, making sure that making sure that everybody's good and they and they ain't got no uh, issues. So, but that that leads me into my gas of the week this week, and my gas of the week might be a little vulgar for people, but I gotta take it to this level so you understand the mindset that I need you to have. And the gas of the week this week is cut their fucking head off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm being, <laughs> I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious. Like, um, don't just make sure they dead. Don't just make sure they kill them. Cut their fucking head off. Leave no doubt that they finished. And I'm talking about that from a business perspective. Like, we're going into Q4, or start a Q4, and, or, yeah, about to be in the 2020. But my model for 2020 is already going to be, like, I'm telling you guys right now, it's going to be cut their head off. Like, we're doing good. Helping hands doing good. Easy turns doing well. We might be in there. We are competing. We are with the big dog. We are, we are out here. But not good enough. Cut their head off, man. Like, cut their head off. And I got this from the David versus Goliath story. At the end, David threw the rock, killed the, killed the giant Goliath. Goliath fell. He was already dead. But to ensure that everybody knew he was dead, he cut his fucking head off. And I got to say the F word. I'm sorry. I just got to because it don't just sound right if I just say cut his head off. No, cut his fucking head off and hold it up like it's over. It's finished. So whatever's in front of you, whatever challenges in front of you, man, 
attack it, kill it, but then don't just let it sit there, cut its head off. That's it. We out. We'll holler at you next week. Rate and follow us on Instagram at CTC Podcast. Catch you next week.